Hello and welcome to the Everything's Back Mike podcast. We're here for the match preview and it's a big one because Newcastle United are back in the Champions League at home for the first time in over 20 years. I'm Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson to look forward to the game. John, I can imagine you're absolutely buzzing for tomorrow, are you? Oh, without question. It seems a long, long time. In fact, you wonder if it's ever going to come back, you know, during the great dark days of a decade and a half before the new owners arrived, we wondered if it would ever return. I mean, everything to look forward to was a relegation fight season by season and twice failing to stay up. Now, yet the top table and so quickly. One season, one full season, this is the second full season, and here we are, which is absolutely fabulous and it's totally appropriate with respect to other uh, clubs that make the Champions League that we should have a heavyweight here for the first game because, you know, my great memories of Newcastle in the Champions League is Barcelona coming here, in the Milan coming here, Juventus coming here, and now we've got one of the young princes of European royalty, I guess. I mean, they didn't exist until 1970, Paris Saint-Germain, and look what they are now in the, in the amount of quality, quality players they've had. I mean, their history... Only from 1970, Aaron, but you go through Ronaldinho, Abramovich, Neymar, Messi, Mbappé. They've, they've had wonderful, wonderful players in that time. And let us hope, let us pray that it, looking at them, we're looking into the future at what we will be. Um, only perhaps more successful because they haven't won the Champions League yet. Yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, they may well do it this season. Hopefully not, though. I mean, before we, we, we dive in too much about PSG and about Newcastle itself, you know, some of the listeners or, and some of the viewers that are watching these videos that we put out from this podcast probably won't have even been born or they probably won't remember the last time Newcastle United were in the Champions League. You, on the other hand, John, you've been there, you've covered it. Just give us some, some insight into what it was like just 20 years ago under Sir Bobby when Newcastle were last in the Champions League. Yeah, they, they were, and they were an excellent side. Um, and it was quite amazing because I'd, it's never happened before and I doubt if it'll happen again. In that season with Bobby, um, there were two group stages. Instead of one group stage and then in you went, there were two group stages. Uh, we lost our first three in the first group of the tournament. We lost our first three games. I mean, we were going out. There was nothing more certain. Incredibly, we won the next three, qualified for the for the second group, and on we went. And in the whole season, we played 14, because we'd played in the qualifiers to, to get into the Champions League, we played 14 Champions League games in a single season. And people say, you know, the workload is impossible really and that's Newcastle's problem this season we played 14 Champions League games and still finished third in the league you know so we handled the 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 um, workload tremendous and you know there were wonderful moments and then um, you know what weights perhaps the young players we have today don't know the immortality that weights them if they are successful individually or collectively in the cup. If we go back further to where we beat Barcelona, we drew Barcelona at home. 
in, in the Champions League. It was 3-0 up. It was a bit like Manchester City last season when we were 3-1 up and 3-3. We were 3-0 up. They got back to 3-2. And if they played another 10 minutes, they would have equalised or even won. But we beat them 3-2. Tina Aspria was a world superstar. Having been in Italy and what he did, he still eats out to this day on his hat trick against Barcelona. He here is a, is an absolute legend because of that. Shearer went to the San Siro and scored two Champions League goals against Inter Milan. Treasured them amongst all the goals he scored. Treasured them especially, and even the so-called lesser lights, with respect to those guys. Have been able to live on what they did with Newcastle United in the Champions League. Andy Griffin scored the winner against Juventus at St James's Park. Mm-hmm. Remembered forever for that. Steve Harper, who was here about 20 years, but only played about 100 games, bless him, because he stood behind Shea Gavin and he went out on loan, kept a clean sheet against Juve. That is the highlight, apart from playing in the cup final, but he lost the cup final, he won against Juventus, and that was the game, Juventus, when Andy Griffin scored the winner and Steve Harper kept the clean sheet. That sparked the, game, the run after three successive defeats, of three successive wins to get us through. The greatest result, of course, was Barcelona, wasn't it? I mean, to, mm-hmm. to beat Barcelona 3-2 at St James's Park with... Keith Gillespie is the man that set everything up and Aspria is the man that finished. But the sort of fame Aspria's got, Andy Griffin. We're talking about Andy Griffin all these years later because he got the winner against Juve. Now that, that's there for Lascelles or for, for corner or for one of our full-backs or one of our kid full-backs if they come on as a sub. Who knows? It's what Steve Harper did is there for Nick Pope. They, they don't perhaps realise that in Newcastle's history they will become immortal if they produce performances at some stage in the Champions League this season. And this is the perfect game. It is the heavyweights. They are the favourites for the group. We are the rank outsiders. We were in pot four. But I tell you what, they will not find it a stroll down here. They, if they think they're going to come and wave to the crowd and Mbappé will take a, a round of applause and then off they'll go with three points, they might find it a little bit different when they get into St James's Park with war flags and the utter determination Newcastle will have. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. You talk about there, you know, making making these memories as a player. I think it was only you only had to look at the players lining up at the San Siro a couple of weeks ago. Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy, bless him, couldn't keep that yeah. smile and grin off his face, could he? Um, you know, these players. I mean, that San Siro experience must have been absolutely fantastic. But at home, war flags, fifty-two thousand fans, and me and Andrew were talking about this on the Monday show about how the Burnley atmosphere seemed a little bit flat. Yes, we felt like it was just you know they were just wanting to get this game out of the way so that Wednesday could come the the game that really matters to them. Um, it's going to be some experience on, on Wednesday night, and I think just just looking at that Milan game, good result on paper, maybe not the best performance, but how much will Newcastle have learned from that game? An awful lot, and the result was the most important thing of the lot because we were in. Rehabilitation. We'd lost three games on the trot. We're in rehabilitation, which is actually virtually completed now with four wins and a draw in our last five games. But if we'd gone to AC Milan and got taken out 
two nil, or there would have been no humiliation in that, but the the bubble would have burst. It we had to get a result. What will be remembered in years to come is that we went to the San Siro and got a note note. We have never lost in the San Siro. We've played in the San Siro three times in Europe. And and we've drawn three times in Europe, going right back to the first cup when when Davies played, um, right away through to today. And the important thing was the result, not the performance. You know, when you go to Wembley, not many fans can reel off who you've beaten on the way to Wembley or whether you played well or not. Wembley is what matters. And if we get through this group, that point will be vital towards us getting through the group. But if we do get through, Andrew, it'll be on our home performances. Sorry, correction, home results. Never mind performance, home results. And that starts here. We've got three home matches when a point away is a bonus. We've got to win at home to have a chance of qualifying. Um, And it starts with, theoretically, the hardest one of the lot, the the favourites for the group, Paris Saint-Germain. But they're not in scintillating form. They've been in better form. Mbappé's been in better health. He's not hugely fit. He's okay, but he's he's not buzzing. And he's got this complication of, um, where's my future? I mean, he's been courted ruthlessly in uh, by uh, Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, is your heart and soul in it? Are you physically up to it? Um He'll either go on the stage and absolutely take it apart and show what a world-class player he is, or he'll come to St James's Park and play like Tenali played at San Siro, bless him, where, it all, where he's a very, very good player, but it all sort of passes you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're, we're going to look at that this PSG team and Mbappe a little bit later in the episode, but I think it's safe to say they're maybe not the force of old as they once were. You know, no Messi, no Neymar this season. But ultimately, as you say, they are probably still the toughest in the group. They're the favourites to go through. They made no mistake against Borussia Dortmund in the first match. But this is what we want at St James's Park. We want them in the group of death. We want the big boys. Yes. And Eddie Howe, you know, this is the next question for you, John. And it's about Eddie Howe because he says, and he said once the, the group was announced and the draw was done, he said, we go there with no fear. What will his message be to the players in that dressing room on Wednesday evening? What will he be saying before they step out at St James's Park? Well, for a start, he'd be saying, you can live with the big names. You weren't beaten in AC Milan, uh, against AC Milan in the San Siro. They're seven times winners of uh, the Champions League. um, And you held your own with them. Now you're coming at home. They will be more afraid than Newcastle at the kickoff because when they they think they know they've seen it all know it all etc when they walk out there with the with the war flags and the fanatical Geordies believe you me that will be a new experience there isn't an experience like that at other grounds within Europe this will be new for them and I think all Eddie's got to do is sit down and say look the majority of you here have been here from day one when we started this wonderful adventure and certainly Trippier and um, Bruno were in at that stage. Did you expect to come this far? Did you expect last season to be fourth top and make the Champions League and make Wembley? Nothing is impossible. 
nothing is impossible and we've proved that time and again we we haven't been in the greatest form early in the season but right now we've won four games and draw near that out of our last five we've kept five clean sheets we've scored we've won eight nil away from home in the premier league we've beaten the european champions and knocked them out the league cup what is the fear if you can overcome uh, manchester city if you can score eight goals away from home and it doesn't matter that it's sheffield united man city went to sheffield united and only won two one so you you can take everything from the way we've been and you know what will get newcastle through the passion the commitment and the intensity because there's no question we're up about it we're you know we're up against it we haven't got Botman, we haven't got joe linton wilson barnes will it that's an awful lot now maybe the team will survive that but the squad will be it'll be tough for the squad you look at the bench and all those guys i mean they would have a lot would have started but they would at least be on you'd have a very strong bench with everybody available everybody isn't available so your bench is going to be very limited so your options during the match is going to be are going to be very limited that is the downside but you know adrenaline intensity commitment what the crowd give you you can't buy that that will help newcastle immensely and um I just hope that Paris Saint-Germain think they're superior when they come here because it'll. It, once you get on the back foot, it's very difficult to get back on the front foot as the match goes on, you know. And and Paris Saint-Germain will have to start well. Um, otherwise, they will find it a tough evening. Well, it's going to be a fascinating encounter. And, and, and you know, you've segued nicely to the next question because we've just spoken about Newcastle United's form. As you say, a fantastic win on the road at Sheffield United. They've beaten City. They've got a fantastic and well-earned point at the San Siro. But PSG, on the other hand, their form has been a little bit shaky. They drew 0-0 at the weekend, away to second bottom of the league, Clermont Foot. They've only won three of their first seven league games. I mean, if you look at the papers in France this morning, I mean, I've been looking at Lekeep and the headlines this morning. They're talking about Mbappe's shaky form. I mean, he's the top scorer in the league. He scored eight and seven, but they're still a little bit unsure yeah. about him. Do you think... You know, this is the good type of player them, or do you think, right, we, we can't fall into this trap of thinking PSG are going to have an off day. They're still one of the, the best in the competition. I think both those things, it's the best time to play them because they're never going to be an easy touch, but they're, they're more of a touch now than they have been. Can you suddenly put your foot on the gas if, uh, after you haven't been doing too well? It's difficult, but it's not impossible. I mean, the, the thing with PSG is really how much... How much do they care? How much do they feel this can be our season? How much do they feel the togetherness that there's in Newcastle? Or do they feel that, you know, the money's been thrown at this project for so long? They've won so many domestic titles, domestic cups. They won the Cup Winners' Cup. They've been to one Champions League final. Do they think that the chances perhaps... Uh, passed them by, you've got Messi gone, you've got Neymar gone, you've got the rumours that Mbappé's going to go, uh, perhaps at the end of the season. Now, does that bond the rest or do they suddenly start thinking this is not our time? Subconsciously, not not literally, but subconsciously. And then, how much have you got in reserve, in determination, in commitment, in sheer bloody-mindedness, 
if Newcastle get amongst you. And we've got to hope that. But at the same time, only they know, each individual and the manager should know, how much he thinks he can rely on them or how brittle they are. Well, it's, they're such an interesting club, PSG, aren't they? Because, as you say, they've had so much money thrown at them by the essentially the Qatar state over the last 10 years. The big ambition and goal is we want to win the Champions League. They got very, very close um, during COVID when Bayern Munich beat them in the final. They've now you know, watched Manchester City go and win it for the first time. And as we've, as we've sort of touched on, they're not the PSG of old. They no. don't have Neymar anymore. They don't have Messi anymore. That was probably the time they thought they were going to win it. What what will that be doing to the players at the club? Surely having that burden of knowing, you know, this is the competition you need to win. They win the French League nigh on every year. They think they've won it nine out of the last oh, ten sure, times. Sure, sure, sure. But this is the competition they want. And when you aren't winning it and when, you know, you're missing that goal every season, that must take a toll on them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like Celtic in Scotland, isn't it? You know, you're pretty certain that Celtic's going to win every year. In France, you're pretty certain Paris Saint-Germain. There's got to be an inquiry if they don't, when you think of the money they've spent. If they can't win the French title, it's not the toughest league in the world, uh, then they're in trouble. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. The first is that all the superstars, when they were firing on all cylinders, made them look real serious contenders to be champions of Europe. They haven't made it. They got to one final. They haven't made it. Only Mbappé remains. Now, do the rank-and-file players, and the hardly rank-and-file, but the, the guys that aren't the world superstars, do they think, this is our chance? This is our team now? They, 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 you know, Messi is all about Messi, Neymar, can you rely on Neymar, etc., etc. Those big-time Charlies have gone. We can now be brothers together and this is our moment, our place in the sun. Or do the thing, this club's running down, it's not what it was, we've only got one world star instead of three, and is Mbappé gone uh, at the end of all this? How much... Deep down inside, and only he can answer it, how much does he want to win the Champions League? Not in his career, because he got a good chance of winning it at Real Madrid, but with Paris Saint-Germain. Is he going to take it by the scruff of the neck and say, we're going to win it this season and I'm going to do it for them? Or is he going to play and if it goes well, it goes well, but if it doesn't, it doesn't matter too much. And we really don't know what we're going to face from Paris Saint-Germain. But let's put it this way. If they want to turn it on, if they want to have a real go because it is the Champions League and they're a bit bored with league football and France, then this is the night where they can make a statement. So we know what we're going to get from Newcastle. We're not certain what we're going to get from Paris Saint-Germain. Well, it's interesting because, as you say, the superstar name who, if they're going to turn it on, it's going to be through Kylian Mbappe. He's won everything in the game that there is to win, apart from a Champions League. You know, he's a World Cup winner at the age of 19 or 20. He's the man everyone wants to see. You know, he's been through some injury scares the last couple of weeks. He limped out of the win over Marseille just a week and a half ago. He played a full 90 minutes. It looks like he's fit and firing. But as I mentioned earlier, even though he's the top scorer in the league, even though he's you know he's found eight goals in seven games this season, they're talking about his fitness in France, they're talking about his form. And look, he's coming to St James's Park and he's up against arguably the most informed Newcastle player at the minute, and that's Kieran Trippier. He's going to have Miguel Almiron on his back chasing, doing the defensive work. 
But just the fact that we're seeing, arguably, I mean, some might disagree, but arguably the best player in world football at St James's Park, it's going to be some spectacle, isn't it? Oh, without a shadow of doubt there. And I think he is the world's best player now. Ronaldo and Messi uh, and, and Neymar, to a certain extent, have been taken out the equation. You know, they bless them, they're virtually in their retirement homes now, all three of them, aren't they? Earning good money, but not at the top of their career, uh, which leaves Mbappé as the number one. There will always be challenges. But the wonderful thing is that, that we've got the right man in Trippier up against him because Trippier's form has been absolutely wonderful. He's a he's a the ultimate leader. He is used to the international stage with both England and the Champions League with uh, Atletico Madrid and now with us. And if you remember when we went to play AC Milan, their outstanding player, their potential match winner was the little Portuguese guy that played outside left. Um, remember the one that did the, all the tricks come inside and at the last moment fell over the ball when he was trying to do an audacious back heel. He was their star man before the game, you know, their match winner. And Trippier looked after him, no danger, absolutely no danger at all. So I'm pleased that Mbappé goes down the left-hand side and, and he's, he's against Trippier. I'm delighted that he doesn't go down the right-hand side. Well, this is the thing going on the opposite flank. I mean, not to take you know anything away from the other PSG players, we've probably got a player that isn't as formidable as Mbappe, but still, Usman Dembele, they've just signed him from Barcelona. Dan Byrne is going to be in for a tough old night, isn't he? It's going to really test his steel on Wednesday. It is. Oh, I mean, it's frightening, and I want to be gentle with the lad because he he's a Geordie, he cares passionately. This is his club, the same as it's our club. So you've always got to bear that in mind. Um, however, he does frighten me as a left-back. I mean, in, in fairness to him, he's a, he's a centre-half. So uh, he's not a left-back, but that's where he's playing. He'll give you everything. And by the way, after he's given you everything, he'll give you a little bit more as well. There's no question about that. But, oh dear, oh, I mean, at the highest level, football is cruel. Football is not nice, it's cruel. And people get exposed ruthlessly. And people get targeted ruthlessly. You don't think PSG's looked at Newcastle, looked at a defence that's got five clean sheets, looked at a defence that last season did what it did, which was the best goals against record for Manchester City, and not think, who do we target and who gives us a real chance? And they'll have been watching Newcastle recently. And... The big man is almost too big for a left-back to start with. You know, your legs, etc., uh, etc. Et but within the first five minutes, uh, Aaron, against Burnley, the little outside right skinned him twice for pace. And when you watched, when you watched uh, Big Dan turn to give chase... I mean, it was so slow, the turn, you know, it reminded me of the Queen Mary with tugs pulling it round, like, you know. The, the guy was all... And, and I was frightened to death because I thought if he does catch him, he'll bring him down and by then it'll be in the penalty area. But then, of course, he wasn't going to catch him. And, but, I mean, Dan will give you everything and I've got an awful lot of time for Dan. But he is, can I put it this way? He's not a Champions League left-back. You know, you look at players and you say, 
they're comfortable in the Champions League. Trippier and Bruno and Isaac and uh, Gordon and you can go on and say they are Champions League players. With utmost respect, I don't think Dan is a Champions League left back, but he can be quite clever. He, he tucks in, they get bodies around him so he's not exposed. Um, he always seems to be able to make that last-ditch tackle which he thinks going to produce a penalty and doesn't. And he will really give you everything. The, he's not the future of Newcastle as a left-back. He, he's, he's off with having in the squad. But as a left-back, um, the future will be Hall uh, at left-back. But um, he does worry me a little bit uh, regarding Wednesday night. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to say that. But so, I mean, with that worry and, and with the sort of calibre of opposition he's going to be up against, against what we think is going to be Dembele, would you be tempted to take him out and play Hall? I mean, Hall, even though Dan Byrne's not left-back, Lewis Hall has obviously played a handful of games in his senior career. Or do you think they've got no choice but to just stick with Dan Byrne? Well, let, can I rephrase it another way? Um, Eddie Howe will stick with Dan Byrne. Yeah. Uh, but there's no question about that because Eddie Howe has great faith in Dan Byrne and there's great faith in Dan Byrne being the left-back. Because if if you think, there's three left orthodox left-backs who could play there in target, Dummett, in Hall. And I know Hall was a midfield player as a young lad at, at Chelsea and that's why he started a bit further up. Like, uh, the other day mm-hmm. but he, he made his name if you like at left back and I think we bought him as a left back so there's three left backs waiting there but for various reasons none of the three I think it would be some call and there's absolutely no chance of it happening to put Hall at 18 in for his first team start mm-hmm. against Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League I don't think for one second that's going to start. He would have had to come into the picture earlier than this to, to play in this game. Whether, in fact, Hall should play at West Ham would be a totally different kettle of fish. But I, I, he won't play in this. He won't start in this game. Absolutely not. Oh. Um, the manager will stay with his back four as his back four. And that, I mean, in Lascelles for, for Bobman, of course. Mm-hmm. It would be some vote of confidence if we did see Hall. But look, you know, Eddie Howe surprised everyone by starting Jacob Murphy in the San Siro. So stranger things have happened. But I think we're both in agreement, John, that the backfire will be Pope, Trippier, Lascelles, Cher and Byrne. Yeah. For me, I think also because of the injuries to Harvey Barnes and to Callum Wilson, I think the attack probably picks itself. In the it does. You have Gordon on the left, Miggy on the right and Isaac through the middle. Not but much choice. You don't Not have a choice there. Unless he decides, as we, as you just said, to throw Jacob Murphy from the start again. But I think if you go into the midfield, that is where you can start to have a little debate about it. Now, for me, I think Bruno will start. Absolutely. I think Sean Longstaff has to start, given his recent form. But then there's a huge debate. If we if Joelinton is out, which we expect, he's obviously picked up that hamstring injury after just three minutes at um, Burnley. The only real debate is answering over Tonali. Now, I'm interested to know who you would start out with, too. Then, do you go for that Champions League experience of Sandro Tonali? He's been there, he's done it in the competition. Or do you go for the man who's probably more in form in Elliot Anderson? I go for Elliot Anderson. I start, I start the team that, that started against Burnley. Yeah. Um, because you've, you haven't got Bobman, you haven't got Joe Wilson 
Joe Linton, you haven't got Wilson. So, you know, that eliminates the situation. Now, early doors, this is just my thing, Andrew, early doors, we talked about the Newcastle midfield was not balanced. And we got three defeats on the trot. It wasn't balanced. We weren't uh, Tonali coming in. Not his fault whatsoever. Quality, quality player, but it unbalanced the thing. What does Bruno do? What, we had no Sean Longstaff in at the time, if you remember. And it looked very unbalanced. You know what? Recently, it's looked terrific. Mm-hmm. The midfield has looked terrific. And that has been with Longstaff... Anderson and Bruno. Everybody's saying Bruno's back to his best. He's looking good. He's back. You know why he's back to his best? Because Longstaff's sitting there. Yeah, exactly. And it's allowing him to get forward. And do, he he looks happy again. You know, the thing that worries me with Bruno, when it's not going well, he'll put somebody in hospital, bless him. He gets so annoyed with himself. The tackle comes in and you're shouting, oh, no, before it happens, you know, because you know it's going to happen. And now that's frustration. And, and I'm not blaming that on Tonali. It, it, it's, it's tactically uh, frustrating for me. Now you've got a long staff who's ready to sit, get up and down, but sit and do the dirty work and do the dirty work. Bruno does what he does best, which is be an offensive player. Um and I, and young Anderson, who had terrific form pre-season, didn't get uh, at the beginning of the season, didn't get in the side which many people wanted to. Neither Anderson or Longstaff were in the side during the bad one, but have been in the side and fairness during the good one. All Anderson needs, you know, is a goal. Yeah. All he needs is a goal, which he thoroughly deserves to really set him up. And I thought he might have got it against Burnley with that header when um, the goalkeeper just got a hand to it and kept mm-hmm. it out. But I think I think Anderson has deserved to be in the team. And I think Eddie Howe recognises, Eddie Howe's favourite word, trust. He recognises he can't trust Anderson. Um, and to be truthful, hey, I'm not having to go to Tenali has so much ability, it's untrue. Tenali will come good. But it isn't happening yet. And we talk about, uh, you know, his experience and he's been in the Champions League and he's done this and he's done that. Maybe, and that's true, but I tell you what, his worst performance was in the San Siro. Mm-hmm. For us, he had no impact on the game. I thought it was awful how he got hooked on 70 minutes because it made him look really guilty, if you like, back in his, his home territory. But that's life. I don't think, I think it'll be the same team as played against Burnley. I don't think Tenali will start. I think Tenali will be on the bench with with Murphy and the two young fullbacks. And all of those might well get on in the second half. But I don't I don't think they'll start. I think he'll go Bruno, Longstaff and Anderson. Because it's worked. And because they're uncomplicated mm-hmm. and they complement each other. At the moment, they've still got to work out how to get Tenali and Bruno on the same side and have them both at the best. 
Absolutely, yeah, I would this agree. This is not that. the game to experiment and try to find it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I this isn't the game to try to, to find it. You know, let's do that in a league game against Crystal Palace, if you yeah. want, the next home game. Don't do it in the Champions League, where you've got to hit the ground running to have a chance. So let's go with the midfield that's been doing it. And it has, you know, it has been doing it recently. It's very surprising because it's a couple of locals Mm-hmm. Uh, in there who weren't supposed to be in it was our midfield was supposed to be three huge name internationals joe linton bruno and tonali and yet two of them are two of our own kids uh, long staff and anderson it's quite phenomenal really but Absolutely. it works and if it if it were if it's not broken don't try to fix it exactly eddie if you're listening wait leave, leave it till west ham or palace before you start trying to Literally. Don't do it for this game. Let's stick with what will work in this game. Exactly. Right. Well, John, I can't let you go before asking you for a prediction. How do you think the game's going to go? How do you think Newcastle are going to fare in it? I think it's going to be an absolute sensational night. I think it's going to be a night that will go into my um, little memory box of treasures uh, for me to look back on and think, Aye, that was great. I was there against Barcelona. I was there against Juve. And I was there against Paris Saint-Germain. I think it's going to be absolutely terrific. I think it's going to be very odd. I think we're going to bite one nails and uh, it's going to be thrust and parry. But I honestly believe that we're just going to squeeze it by a goal margin. I'm not saying one nil, it might be two, but by a one goal margin. I actually believe we're going to squeeze it and that we're not going to get turned over. Heaven forbid, we don't want my night spoiled that way. A draw would be honourable. But I think, I honestly think we're going to squeeze it by a single goal. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think too many people listening to this will disagree with you, John. I think a couple of things, the Castle's form at the minute, PSG's form at the minute, and as you say, just that atmosphere at St James's Park, it's going to be absolutely electric. Fingers crossed your prediction is right. John, thanks very much for joining us. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and thank you very much for everyone who's been listening or watching at home. Um, we'll have loads more podcasts. Andrew will be back to host some pre- and post-match PSG ones. Uh, but until then, thanks very much for listening. I must be very, very soon.